We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague, joined by Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report. It is a, I almost said training camp, but it's a, uh, not a summer league either. It's a preseason final wrap-up. Obviously, we had uh, Richmond on Monday in the final game last night, Tuesday night. And now it's Wednesday night here with Sean and Brandon. And, uh, well, uh, people are panicking. People are freaking out. And, uh, listen, there's, there's, there's plenty of reasons to be not thrilled about things. But there's also plenty of... Uh, well, I shouldn't say plenty. There's, there's like, there's, there's like legitimate panic, but like, the there's same some positives. Time. Hey, there's, there's some positives. There are some positives. There's some stuff there. Um, Sean, can you turn your camera down ever so slightly? Because I have this framed all weird. It was fine, and then it went crazy on me. Uh, this is live producing. You love to see it. There we go. Now. Perfect. Good now we, now. Good yes, now. now, now we got the whole who in there and the nin. Perfect. Love that. Love, <laughs> love that. it. Um, I have a, I have an external webcam, which is how I'm. Oh yeah, no, that's that's how I roll until I get into the new studio. So trust me, I got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But thanks for joining us, man. Uh, I know uh, I, I caught you uh, earlier on your show talking about how you didn't watch the last two games, but you're at the other three with me, uh, <laughs> yeah. literally sitting next to me. So I'm uh, I'm gonna just yeah, I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. I for the last several years, I have treated preseason the way I treat summer league. If I'm not there live in person watching it, I'm just, right. I'm not going to watch it. The first one wasn't on TV, the Kings one. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't about to like go out of my way to find a stream, to watch a preseason game and like figure out how to get it to go on my TV. And then last well, you night, could I watch actually, the watch party at Jack Ramsey's, you know, you could, I could have, I could have done that. I could have <laughs> done that. I, I suppose I could have done that. And then last night I actually had, uh, dinner plans a few friends and i went out to palomar where yeah no shout out shout out ricky uh get the the menu going our boy ricky just who just recently got hired there as the head chef just debuted his uh new menu yesterday and so i went to try that out and i think it was probably a better use of my time than watching the blazers get blown out by a warriors team that wasn't playing any of their guys no, uh, it probably wasn't. Uh, we'll, we'll spend a few, a few minutes, or at least I'll spend a few minutes on that game because I know Brandon was like, no, you sicko, I'm not watching that game. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let's call timeout. Timeout, timeout, timeout. 
I was I was kind of like Sean. I have plans. My daughters are doing sports this year, so it's kind of been a whirlwind. And Danny texts me, and it probably was what would you say, Danny? Second, third quarter, something like that. And yeah, I was like, Are you coming in here at all? And he's like, Are you going to join the the live watch party? I'm like. For a preseason G yeah. League game, no. no. Yeah, I, I'm out. I I got I got ever, <laughs> like I said I I did I was in the building for the first three preseason games, the one in Seattle and then the two here, and I kind of got what I needed to get out of it. I've got you know yeah. the real the the real takeaways that there are to be had. I got out of those first three games. There are some legitimate takeaways, and then there's also a lot of stuff that. Like, I don't know how much of it is real and how much of it isn't. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll guide in that real quick here in just a second. Uh, but first of all, thank you all for being here. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. Uh, if you're the first time, long time, uh, also welcome. Uh, if you w- would like to participate in the watch parties, all you have to do is become a member. Uh, click join, subscribe uh, here on the YouTube page that gets you on the page. And then during the regular season, when I send out the invites, uh, you'll be on the list and you'll get those. So, uh, and we'll do those for every single home game. We'll do some special, actually, every single road game. And we will do some home games as well. Uh, things will uh, change as I get my surgery. So <laughs> well, things will adjust. Uh, we might do some more home games uh, if, I, uh, if I'm late up in bed for a couple weeks. Uh, but again, thank you all for being here. appreciate you, whether you're listening on the podcast or watching here on YouTube. Like, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Help us get to 4,000 before the beginning of the season. We are about, what, 100 short uh, 4,000 now. So uh, appreciate all of you who have uh, kind of jumped on. And this is we, we literally just hit our first full year, what, like three weeks ago. So mm-hmm. um, thank you all again so, so, so very much. Uh, and now let's dive into hell. Uh <laughs> Last night was 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 rough. Uh, for those that didn't know, Chauncey did do post game. That was a thing. Um, I believe Casey was the only one in the room, so yeah. it's a different post game. But um, one of the things that Chauncey said that I don't, I have been nodding along solemnly with Chauncey with pretty much everything he has said so far in the post game stuff. But one thing he said last night was he, he, he like if they missed shots, but he didn't he didn't feel like that their compete level was low. Or I wanted to be like, I disagree. <laughs> because I did not feel their comp- – like, they missed shots last night. There's no doubt about it. But I definitely did not feel like their compete level was there, particularly at the center position. Um, I'm going to ring this bell. Uh, people always get mad at me when I, ring, when I ring a particular bell every year. Like, last year I was like, oh, the vibes are crap. This team is broken. Uh, they beat Phoenix, and everybody's like, you're poo-pooing this. They're really actually just fine. I'm like, no, they're broken, and it turned out they were broken. What I'm saying is I'm always right. No, that's not true. Uh, but you think I'm, you are. There's, there's a hint of that. <laughs> He's but, always right in his mind. Yeah, right, exactly. right, right. That's what really counts. <laughs> but – uh, my the bell that I am ringing this season early on is is Yusuf Nurkic, and I've had a lot of people push back. Well, Ant and Dame, and uh, they haven't figured out the small forward. My thing right now is this team can only go so far as Yusuf Nurkic is willing or able to take it. And right now, not only is he not willing, he's not able. He's not in shape. He's not capable of playing thirty minutes a night. Uh, he got punked and outplayed by James Wiseman, <laughs> which. Listen, Wiseman's a fantastic prospect. Don't get me wrong. He has not played basketball. Like, he has not played in the NBA. He, like, he, his, his record is he has not played. And to be played off the floor like that, to get offensive rebound dunked on twice, to get outrun, to get outworked, mm-hmm. to get outhustled, to flop and flail and get pushed around by a 19-year-old kid, what the hell? 
Like that, that, that is a, like, if I'm shooting a flare up into the sky about this season and for everybody's like, well, again, all the other things, Yusuf Nurkic is paid to be big, to rebound, to play defense and to block off the paint. And right now he is not doing any of those things effectively at all. And if he's not doing those things, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. They are going to be a disaster on that. Like, they're going to be bad on the fence at the end right now. There's no doubt about that. But they'll, the difference between bad and disastrous is kind of what we're seeing right now. Like, I mean, I don't I, Am I crazy here, Sean? I'm nodding along as though I watched the game <laughs> against the Warriors last night. I did, but I... I was with you whatever night. It, I guess it must have been the uh, the Jazz game because mm-hmm. of the Maccabi game they didn't play. They didn't play, yeah. The, the thing, and you brought this up on several pods, the the sequence where Nurk was, you know, was at the, was standing by while a player on the Jazz was shooting free throws, and he was just, like, bent over, you know, doubled over, you know, totally out of breath, and that was, like, 10 minutes into the game or something. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed it, and it... It's been an interesting. I mean, this has been a talking point going back to media day because Nurk said on media day that he felt like because he had played for the national team uh, it, for Bosnia in the Eurobasket tournament mm-hmm. that he was already in season shape. And Chauncey said that day that he thought Nurk had a really good summer. And then a few days later, I was down at training camp in Santa Barbara and, uh, you know, Chauncey was saying like, yeah, you know, Nurk does need to be in better shape, you know, that, that, but it's something that we're working on and it's just a totally different style that we play here that they, than what they played uh, in Eurobasket. And so it's been a big adjustment and that kind of made some alarm bells go off because it's like if he's not in shape after two months of playing very – I mean, I've, I've been talking about this for a while. Those Eurobasket games – are probably the highest level games that he has ever played in his career because the year that the Blazers went to the Western Conference Finals was the year that he didn't play because he was out with a leg injury. So those games for Eurobasket were, you know, the highest stakes games he ever played in, and he played great in a lot of those games. I for, from from what I watched of it, and for then to be in a situation where you know he comes back here, he's still, you know, he's clearly out of breath after playing 10 or 15 minutes he's fouling out in like the third quarter of some of these games it's i mean he had fou- five fouls on i think 14 minutes last night something like that yeah i, yeah, I mean i'll take i'll take your word for it because again i didn't see that game but yeah that it's it, it's i mean and this is kind of the story with and i don't i def i absolutely don't want to make this into a whole like everybody's blaming one guy for how the season is going type no. of situation this, he's just like the first pillar it's just that right now this is the biggest because you go you go up and down the roster that everything else you know you can look at each guy individually and say you know this is how their season is going and yep. most of the stuff I think is either guys individually is either neutral to positive and a seer little thing has been kind of a bummer but it's very obvious that like he's coming back from this injury and he's yeah. not ready so there's like a built-in explanation for that but all the other main rotation guys you look at them individually you can at least point to a couple of positive things that we're seeing from them or reasons for some optimism with what we've seen out of Nurkic so far with the contract he just got. That's the one where I'm just like, I don't know about that. Well, let me, let me ask you guys this. So 
I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to brag, but like I played basketball for a lot of my life. And I don't know about you guys, but when you play a sport that involves a lot of cardio, basketball, soccer, I don't know anything, football, I don't care. When you play it, you whether you're in shape or not, eventually you play it, you get in shape. Mm hmm. I guess what I'm confused by is the how the messaging. hell did he get from one yeah, to the how other? Did you play Euro basket? And I saw some of those games like, you know, he looked winded, he looked good in those. Games. He was playing good. Yeah, he was playing good. Well, They're force didn't... feeding him and he like he's the focal point for the country. So I guess my confusion is uh, one, what Sean picked up there, like he's going to get a lot of the brunt, I think, of fan anger if they have a slow start. And it's it's kind of out of his it's out of his control in a way, because one, you can't control he can't control that he got paid, right? He didn't give that contract to himself. The team gave it to him. Yeah. So fans are going to financially hold something over him. We do it all the time in sports. The second thing is if he's in foul trouble and not playing a lot of minutes, I we can talk about Olivia Saar, but like I don't, I don't trust anything behind that. You know what I mean? After Nurkic, it's like, and it kind of stumbles for them defensively if he's not going to be out there for heavy minutes. I just don't understand. I don't know how you play Euro basketball. And then you come over here, and we hear you're in great shape. And then four days later, we see you're not. I'm I'm reading, and I'm hearing, and I'm seeing that you're you're not. You don't look like you've run a mile. And I just I guess I'm just confused and baffled by that because man, I I never had a moment in my life where I've ever done anything that involved cardio, and then I pick up something that involves cardio, and I'm not at all ready for the cardio. I guess I just I'm kind of confused how that works. Well. Uh- I think this would all be less concerning. And this is like, you know, this is something that we've all, I think on our respective platforms been saying all summer, the weakest aspect of this roster is the depth at center. And I think if they had any kind of a real viable backup or a viable other option to put in there, then what they're seeing out, you know, this kind of underwhelming preseason and, and, and what we've seen out of Nurkic and camp, I think you could at least paper over it. It would be a little bit less of a concern but you're going into the season with your two primary backup bigs being Trent and Watford and Drew Eubanks. And now, you know, it's, it's to the point, like we're already talking about it. And I, they haven't officially signed Olivier Sard of the two way contract, but he was the only one of the camp guys that they didn't wait today. So I think it's pretty clear that it's going that way, but like yeah. we're getting to, you know, we have a week to go before the regular season starts. This is a team that at least theoretically has some sort of playoff aspirations of some kind. Right. And we're already talking about a guy that is probably going to be signed to a two-way contract as like, hey, that's the at least thing to fall back on if you're starting center that you just paid $72 million to isn't isn't doing what he's being paid to do. That's a problem. It is. It's, it's a bit of Sean Figgins here. And if, if Sean, if you don't get that reference, Sean Figgins was a great. I'm familiar. Okay. Get the great baseball player, plays for the Angels. Mariners give him this monster deal, and as soon as he gets to Seattle, it's just like I don't know how to play baseball yeah. anymore. And pack it up. There, there's a bit of that, man. It's you, you always worry about this in any sport, yeah. right? Dude gets the bag. Is he as motivated? That happens in pro sports, and I'm not saying this is Nurk not being motivated. I just I think people are going to go there though if this is going to be as rough a start as it's looked in preseason. And I don't, I don't think he's unmotivated. I think this is just who he is. Yeah. And here's the thing. And, I don't want this to turn into the Nurk bashing session because no, that's, that's not what I not at all. No, that's no. not what I intend this to be. It's just that when we're talking about structurally, like pillars, the defense is built on the backbone of Yusuf Nurkic, and if he's faulty, if your foundation is no good, 
none of the other shit matters. Like Jeremy Grant being a great helper or being a, a solid point of attack who can take on apex wing guys. Like if your back line's ass, it doesn't matter. Like it's just it doesn't matter how good you are at stopping people in front of you if you have no rim protection. That's the thing is, he's been paid to be X, and he's not leave it, living up to X. And even if they had, let's let's say they have a viable backup. Let's say Isaiah Hartenstein was picked up in the offseason. And they're like, screw it. Nurk's not, Nurk's getting it done right now. We're going to throw Hartenstein out there. Is that, does that solve any problems? Also, how's that going to go with with Dirk if he gets benched for Isaiah Hart? But, but let's just say even you if you can't does, give him the contract and then bench him, I mean, you I'm can't. Just you can't. I, <laughs> I'm just saying, even if you did, like, even yeah. if he was like, okay, I need to play my like Nas. Nas isn't benched right now, but he's like he's he's acknowledged that he's not where he was in January, right? Yeah. Like, like let's say Nurk is like that mature about it. Like, uh, you know what? You're right. Remember, he was the one who at media day, Sean, he said. You know what I love about Chauncey? He addresses it right there. He keeps it real. He keeps he keeps it one hundred. No capping. Remember? I believe yes. I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna say I believe the exact term that he used was no capping. <laughs> Which our boy Bomani Jones calls that the cultural exchange, where yeah. basketball players from Europe learn how to learn how to speak English by being around basketball players, and which, so you pick up stuff like that. Which is wonderful. I listen, it's it's great. It's delightful. Uh, but the. Like the, everyone's like, well, if they just had a, if they just had another big, no, if you're starting big as ass, it doesn't matter. Just look at the round the NBA. It doesn't matter. You have to have, like, it was like, well, the, the Warriors don't really have one. You're right. They have a very solid one in Kevin Looney. And then when they go small, they have a defensive player of the year in Draymond Green who ends up playing the five. So if you, all of this, like, Yes, you can be fine if you have other solutions that are otherworldly. The Blazers, like Jeremy Grant playing the small ball five, isn't a real solution for them right now. It can work in like limited minutes in some matchups, sure. but that's not something you feel like, oh, well, your the default thing setting. Working, we can go to that every night. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. And so you you go if if it's not working in the defensive end, like they're they're screwed. And honestly. Long term, I'm very much of the mindset that that Nurk is not going to be here long term. Whether that's the trade deadline or the summer or the next trade deadline, I I I, I don't think he's here in 18 months. I just don't see. One thing that I've said over and over again, we talked about with this with Mike the other day, like I'm I'm pretty much taking Joe Cronin at what he says. And Joe has said that. We want to get longer, stronger, more athletic. We want to be in Chauncey's like, we want to get switchable. We want to be able to, to play a modern style defense. Want, Yusuf Nurkic does not do those things. And he is kind of, uh, he, uh, Joe and, and Chauncey have, have basically lined up and said what they want to do. And if you're looking at this roster, the one person with a glaring, like, doesn't fit this style is Yusuf. So. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't, I think, I don't get I, too I, worried about it. Yeah, no, I, I think, Danny, the only thing that I – a slight pushback, because I, I do believe you. I, I, I think Joe is always looking to add what he's talking about here. I think the difference is you don't have an expiring. This dude is on a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's not just about, like, what his yearly basis is. It's like it's four years. So if it's this trade deadline, like the hypothetical I think people would throw out is – is Aiton, right? Aiton can't mm-hmm. get traded till what? Like after January? January 15th. 15th. Yeah, day, yeah yes. that's what it is. Thank you. Let's say that doesn't go well or as well as they want it and he doesn't seem happy at all. You have to, why would Phoenix want Yusuf Nurkic? They want a malcontent dude with three more years on his contract in an already hostile, volatile situation. I just, I think what's tough is that four-year contract yeah. is not going to be as easy to deal for a piece that is seemingly going to come back and be as valuable or helpful. I guess that's my only kind of pushback to this. I don't know how easy that contract is to move right now versus in two years. And that's I think the idea in that scenario is that that would be a situation where both it, that particular person that you're you referred to in that particular swapping situation, it would be a situation <laughs> where I think both teams would be you know. Hey, we'll take you know we'll solve your guys' problems. I did see the other day that DeAndre Ayton had a big sit-down interview with the <laughs> paper, the newspaper in Phoenix where uh-huh. he kind of tried to walk back the thing that he said on Media Day that he and Monty haven't talked since Game 7 of the Dallas series. And he didn't even, like, he wasn't even that strong with it. He basically said, oh, no, we talked. Like, that was basically the extent of it. It wasn't even, like, a super strong, like, this is my coach. I'm committed to this team. Like, it, was, it wasn't It wasn't the most convincing thing to come out with if your aim is to really shut down the idea that that situation is not reparable that's because monty already commented on it they were like monty he said he didn't talk to you and monty was like well i i didn't talk to anybody after that game seven it's like so monty's already kind of right the comment. <laughs> it's, it's all it's yeah it's like it's not that hard to figure yeah. out that that like on or shortly after january 15th they're gonna have to have some sort of resolution there and then you know we'll see where the blazers are at as far as what their record might be or you know how the nerf thing is going at that point and maybe i'm not saying that that's necessarily what the trade is going to be or what the player is going to be but i think it's within the realm of possibility like i know they kicked the tires on it this spring when everything happened after game seven and it seemed like eight might be gettable. I know that was something they did their due diligence on. And I, once he becomes trade eligible again, I don't see why they wouldn't do their due diligence on that again. Yeah. And that's the thing is ultimately I think they're, they're still hunting for personnel. And, and again, the context clues are there from what Joe said on media day, the whole idea. Chauncey like, too. That's the yeah. thing. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull this up because everybody's talking about the quote that, uh, joe had mm-hmm. where he said like you know we're still not you know we're, we're not, we not evaluating based off wins yeah right 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 so i'm trying to okay so i have this quote i have this transcription of something for that chauncey said on uh media day he said uh you can't do it all in a short amount of time uh, i'm trying to just find the part uh 
the league is hard. It's hard to get better. It's one thing at a time. It's hard to get the players you want at all times, but I like every player that uh, that uh, we have. So he was basically him, him and Joe are in he was, lockstep. He was lying to your face is what he was doing. <laughs> well, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. I mean, I don't even think. I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe they don't love every single one of those players. I get that. But like he and Joe are in lockstep about the messaging being this roster right now is not what this roster is going to be in February at the trade deadline or by April, if they are indeed yeah. still in the playoff mix, like they, everybody has been very upfront. This is not, and you know, I hate to keep harping on this, but previous media days, the GM would be sitting up there talking, no matter what he did or didn't do over the summer, he'd be talking about, like, this is the deepest team we've ever had around Dame. And I do think that one thing that fans should be at least sort of refreshed and encouraged by is that Joe and Chauncey are not delusional about how good this team is. I think if you talked to either one of them privately and said any of the stuff that we're saying on here, I don't, I truly, I don't think any of either of them would disagree with very much of what we're saying. No, because they're self aware. Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing is that I, I, I kind of trust with where they're going is that I do believe that they know what the shortcomings are. Um, one of the things that, speaking of Chauncey, um, it's kind of it's kind of funny. It's like people. I don't want to say people. It's like the fan base that, on, that are on the edges right now that are really angry, that are really mad, are still still believe somehow that Damon and CJ were the thing, which is the small group, or there is this group that consistently believes coaching is like the world-ending thing that controls all. And I've seen already, you know, can you fire Chauncey? Can we just get the real coach, that coach in there? All of this, it's just, it, it goes on and on and on, and I'm sitting there going, the guy has coached, Zero games with a healthy Damian Lillard. Zero. Now, I don't know if Chauncey's a good or a bad coach. And if you're saying you do, I think you're full of shit. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be honest. I Because I there's no way you can evaluate what he's done or hasn't I done. I think, and I kind of hate to say this because obviously, you know, it opens up a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a lot of people who are very understandably and rightly uh, unhappy and about the way the, the hire was done the way that the hire was handled and the way that the person who hired him handled everything around that and all of that and are projecting a lot of that stuff onto some of the basketball stuff and maybe making harsher judgments about him as a coach than maybe they would be making if that whole part of it was not a part of it is, no, is kind of I think that's kind fair. of what I'm is kind of what I'm seeing, and I'm with you. I honestly have no. There's like from an on court standpoint, the the first and I, I the, the example that I've given whenever I've kind of been asked about Chauncey goes back to back. You know, I used to cover the Bulls for several years, and two of the seasons that I had were the last Tibbs year and the first Hoiberg year, mm-hmm. and what and the way that Chauncey was kind of brought in. And the team that he was brought into and the situation that he was brought into is very similar to the way that that coaching change kind of took place where like right down to like, he basically, he got the job because he had a relationship with the GM. That was the case with Hoiberg and uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson because Gar Foreman had coached, had been an assistant coach on his staff at uh, 
Iowa State and like they had a relationship and all that kind of stuff. But they fired Tibbs, the Bulls did in 2015. They brought in Fred Hoiberg, who is a complete opposite of Tibbs in every way possible personality, demeanor, style of play that he wants to do, where, you know, Tom was such a, you know, grind, slow, grinded out, like defensive focused guy. And Hoiberg was like a run fast and play with pace and shoot threes. They bring in this coach with this completely opposite philosophy. And then you basically don't keep the, don't do anything to the roster. And you're telling this guy whose whole philosophy is, uh, you know, I want to run, I want to shoot threes. Your starting bigs that you're giving him are still Pau Gasol and Joe Noah. Like that's not going to work. It's going to put him in a position to fail. I kind of feel like Chauncey got brought into this exact same type of situation where, you know, after they lose in the playoffs, Neil says that like it wasn't a product of the roster and he basically doesn't really do much to the roster and, and just keeps it kind of the same. And then you bring in this coach whose philosophy and his personality and everything are the complete opposite of the coach that had been there for nine years. You're setting the guy up to fail. And then obviously like after that first couple months of the season, then Dame has a surgery and gets shut down and then everybody else gets shut down. And then you can't even really judge anything about anything because he was basically running G leaguers out there every night. So I think as far as I'm, as far as I'm looking at it right now, now, now we could be having a different conversation in a month or in six weeks, once we're a little bit into the season, if these things are still as bad as they are right now, but Chauncey, I think has as close to a blank slate as you can have going into your second season mm -hmm. as a head coach, because we just don't know. We, I, you, I feel like last year is one of those years. You just have to throw out every single, yeah, everything, everything saw. about it. Like there's nothing. And that's, that's why I was kind of laughing. I was, I was seeing some of the comments on Twitter after the last couple of preseason games where it's like, this is just the exact same thing as the last couple of years. Like, no, it literally is not. Maybe the scores are the same. Maybe the numbers are the same, but like, they were throwing out like Kelgen Blevins and Elijah Hughes for big minutes a lot of last season. You can't compare anything that happened last season to what's going on right now. Well, Sean, the, the interesting interesting thing that you just said there, though, are we sure he's got the personnel for how he wants to coach? And is he going to be able to coach the style of basketball he envisions yeah. with certain members of the team being on the roster? And now, the, the well, no, the, the answer to that is no. And I okay, think they so know that that's that's. That's kind of what Joe, and to a lesser extent, Chauncey, I think, you know, Joe is going to be able to speak more on the player personnel and like roster moves type of stuff than Chauncey is, even though they work very closely on a lot of those decisions. That's really a lot of that is, you know, Joe's call, Joe, kind of the public facing, right. you know, person defending those decisions or whatever the case may be. Well, but like they've been very upfront about the first part of the season is going to be we're going to give these guys a shot that are on the roster right now. We're going to see who plays well together. We're going to see who we think is a long-term fit, and then we're going to make some moves and adjust accordingly. So I think they're very, they're, they're not going into the season going, this group is it. This is the group that we're going to try to make the playoff. And they're going to spend the first, I think six, probably month or six weeks of the season. Uh, Danny and I, you know, when, when Danny and I have talked about this privately, and I'm sure you guys have said this on the show a number of times to me, if they can get to Christmas, not even at, but like within the vicinity of 500, they're probably in okay shape. Okay. So here's the interesting thing about what you're saying there though. Um, I won't name the podcast, but like you have national podcasts that when they talk about this team, and I know that's the outside view and Sean, you're plugged in with the Rose garden report and Danny's plugged in and we do this podcast. We all have our podcasts. But when you listen, if you're a Blazer fan 
and you want to go outside of the local, right? You're always curious. What does everybody think about us? I mean, there's a national podcast yesterday. that's basically like, what is this team? They're a mess. Chauncey's coaching style with what their team is doesn't make any sense. Like you're hearing a national perspective, right or wrong. You're hearing a national perspective tell you this coach isn't it for what this team is. And while you're also kind of saying, yeah, that's true right now. I guess from the fan perspective, I'll just play the devil's advocate here a little bit for them. You're kind of saying, okay, great. So I might go the first two years of the dude's coaching career, not having any feel if he's a good or bad coach. That's a little alarming. Is it not? Well, what I would say to that is that I think a lot of the national podcasts are still hung up on the they need to trade Dame and blow it up. Sure, so absolutely. I, you, know, you, can, absolutely. you can take you can take any of that stuff with a grain of salt, or you can take that seriously if you want to. But the other part of this is, and there's a lot of um, I don't, I'm not going to call anybody out. There's comments in the chat right now, like they're not doing what Chauncey like wants to do. They're not they're not uh, uh, following up on this. They're not like. I'm going to sound like an ass here. and I don't care. You don't know what they're asking him to do. Is that any different? No, but like, but again, like you don't know what they're being asked to do. I can tell you right now from game one at Climb Pledge Arena until last night, things have changed. And if you, if you don't know what has changed out on the floor, like right off the top of your head, then you're not in a position to kind of question like what they are and aren't doing. And I'm not saying that as like some kind of gatekeeping thing. But if you can't look at the floor and go, in game one, they're soft switching, they're aggressively hedging on pick and rolls, they're uh, blitzing, trapping, getting up above a level, pushing up on screens, as opposed to last night when literally they're dropping Yusuf Nurkic four to five feet off and they're soft and they're not switching anything. Like it, the whole idea of like what Chauncey's scheme is versus like what isn't is or isn't going to work, they're right. already changing stuff. But they're trying to establish the culture and the idea of we're going to be more aggressive. But if you if you don't stick to it, if you don't try to push it, if you like I've confirmed with multiple people that the Blazers came into camp and as a team were better conditioned than they were last year. That's something I heard as well. So as a team that doesn't necessarily mean an individual is or isn't up to snuff. But as a team, so it that's why I keep kind of go back to Nurkic as that pillar. It, if everything else can be better and more aggressive and doing all this, but if the backside of it is, isn't legitimate, then everything breaks down. And that's where they're on both sides of the ball. You've already seen where they, they tried opening night. They tried to run Dame off a bunch of down screens, put him in some floppy actions, put the ball in Jeremy Grant's hands, put the ball in use of Nurkic's hands, which, I mean, he's treated it like a greased pig. But I digress. They've tried to run guys off of other actions, particularly Damon Ant, where they're coming from behind the defense to change the angle, change the eye level, so it's not just spread, pick, and roll, screen, pick, and roll, re-screen. Normalness that we've seen from Damian Lord. But at the same time, when the other stuff isn't quite working yet, whether that's Chauncey or whether that's the personnel, unless you're in the room, you can't, you don't really know. And that's why I always kind of go, eh. I, I tend to side toward, towards coaching as far as the coach, not necessarily coaching, but the coach making the decision. Everybody beat Terry over the head with stuff, and then, you know, the offense falls apart as soon as Terry leaves. And it's like, well, it's because he was empowering the guy who's really good, which is 99% of the NBA. Everyone's like, well, why can't Dame run off pick and rolls like Steph? 
Well, why can't Trey Young run off pick and rolls like Steph? Why can't Ja run off pick and rolls like Steph? Why can't Luca run off pick and rolls like Steph? Because Steph's one on one. He's one of not only that, it's a it's a skill. Yeah. It's the same thing as every time they're in you know, a the way that like Dame is like sort of similarly skilled to Steph because they are the two guys that can pull up from half court basically, and you know that they're gonna probably hit at the oh. three that they pull up on. And everybody's like, Oh, why can't he be like Steph? It's kind of the same thing as every time another team has a guy who's like an undersized five playing the four who's like a pretty good passer and can guard multiple positions people are like oh well he's gonna be the dream on green of this offense like no <laughs> no there's only really one of those yeah. two there's only one six foot five guy who works as a playmaking hub on short uh four on three pick and rolls like that th- there's just nobody else in history who's done it like him so there's this like constant battle back and forth between these two things so do I think that they, and again, I am not dismissing people's claims. I am not, not dismissing people's frustrations, but at the same time, I'm not looking at this and like beating Chauncey over the head or beating the players over the head over what is and isn't working in preseason. I think the toughest thing that we're, we're, we're kind of, I mean, we're saying this without saying it. And th- this is just me trying to plug in and, and take a guess here. I, I kind of wonder how much of this is just fans not understanding where this is going. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you can say what you want about Neil, and there's a lot to be said. But every year, no matter how plugged in a fan was or was not, they would hear a press conference where they'd be like, I think we can be better than we were last year. And last year was a playoff team. And then the next year, it's like, yo, if this guy plays the four, we project 54 wins. And you go, oh. Oh, 54 wins. And then the next year you get to the Western Conference yeah. Finals because the most fluky game happened in the last game of the year to give you the <laughs> perfect matchup. And you get to the West Finals. It's like, this is the deepest team now. We're going to yeah. reload this. We're back. And so it's like year after year of being in the playoffs and then being told it's better this year. And then even when it wouldn't be, they would still end up back in the playoffs, no. right? So like in a way it would be, it would, it would kind of mask some of the crappiness that he would bring mm-hmm. to this franchise and I think right now they're tearing it off, though. They're like they're they're well. That's the tailing. thing. I think they're tearing think, it off, but they're Grant also still them. trying to win, though. Too oh, like they're right. like, hey, let's do I Jeremy Grant. That's the thing is, though. The thing is, they're not. They're not trying to win right now. Like that's the thing. So their goal is to not be in the playoffs this year. No, they're, I think they if won't. They, I think they. I think they. I would. I would say my my read on their internal aspirations. It would be I nice. Think, I think they would like to make the playoffs. I think obviously Dame wants mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. I, I don't think they're gonna actively try not to make the playoffs. Like this, I, this idea that because like you know be, because of like what we saw with Victor and and whatever that like Scoop, oh yeah. they need you to actually just tank this year. Like no, they they already played the tank card last yeah. year. They they missed they, it they, by they, a year, folks. They I did know miss, they, they missed so it. Blazers. Well, <laughs> whatever. Well, whatever. Year. Fine. You know what? Whatever. It happens. Like you, you 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 they played the tank card last year. They pulled out all the stops to do that. That is not going to happen again. They are not going to play unless Dame like legitimately like has a torn ACL or something. And then we're getting into a whole other like set of long term things. But like yes, for sure. There's so, if there's something like like they're not going to have you know Dame sit out with an injury that he could come back from, and, in order to get a better draft pick, I don't think that's something that they're going to do. But I also say in saying that that I think, and I'm not sure I agree with this. I think if if it, and I actually got this in a mailbag that I posted earlier this week on the Rose Garden Report website, which you can go subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Sell, 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 baby. There you go, baby. But but I was asked a question by one of my subscribers 
about what a successful season for the team looks like. And for me, my answer, this is me talking. This is not me saying what I think their mindset is. This is just purely me as an observer who's not connected to this in any way. You are coming back with a healthy Damian Lillard. You made a bunch of win-now moves in terms of bringing in Jeremy Grant and re-signing two of your starters to big contracts and signing a guy who's going to be a big contributor off the bench and Gary Payton II. A successful season, in my mind, with those moves and with all that being the case, is you would like to make the playoffs outright and not need the play-in to do it, meaning your top six in the West. I think that they, uh, to them, I think they would love it if that happened. I don't think they would be upset if that happened. I don't think they're going to actively try to pull themselves out of the running for that. I think if they were in the play-in, that would, you know, they would be happy with that. But I think that they will more so be looking at it as a success at the end of the year if they feel like, okay, we're set up and we're building towards what we want. That they're closer to what they want to be for next season. They're not going to say that part out loud, but that's exactly what I believe, is that they got Jeremy Grant not for this season. They got Gary Payton II not for this season. They re-signed Anthony not for this season. They re-signed Yusuf Nurkic not for this season. And by the way, by the way, just because I know that this question is coming when we talk about it, all this kind of stuff, there is nothing that we are saying on this podcast or that Joe Cronin has said publicly that he has not also talked about privately with Damian Lillard and that Damian Lillard would not have signed that extension if he was not on board with. And that's that's where I was just literally just getting ready to go to with this. Um Logan, Dame, Dame, they're not they're not pulling it over. They didn't tell Dame, oh, we're going to try to contend this yeah. year. Please sign this extension. Dame knows exactly what they're doing. Dame, and I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times over the last, you know, little less than a year since Neil got fired and Joe took over the job that I've seen Joe and Dame sitting courtside talking for like 30 or 45 minutes at a time, just courtside pregame or, you know, I, you know, go to games or practices and, uh, you, you know, you see them talking like on the sideline or like at one of the corners. Like, and this is just what we as media are allowed to see. Like those guys talk all the time. Dame is fully aware and fully on board of, with what their plan is. And he ha- is, you know, on the same page and is on board with it or else he wouldn't have signed that extension. Logan Murdoch of the ringer uh, had a piece that came out this morning. Uh, Sean, you said he was down at, at, uh, at Santa, Santa Barbara. That's where he yeah, kind he of put this together a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, the gist of it is is Dame talks about Chauncey, and this is why why part of the reason I brought up Chauncey so early in this is that Chauncey's pitch to Dame was to not pitch him, was to not sell him, was to not recruit him. Because we all know about the whole LeBron AD meeting. Remember, everybody got mad at Sean and, I, and Brandon and I last year because we mentioned that Damian Lillard was not happy, that there was a possibility where he was like, if he lost the power struggle, that he left. Like that, anybody that's still denying that, it's right there and right. Oh, for I, you. dude, dude, when he did his press conference in Las Vegas after he signed the extension, mm-hmm. I asked him whether there was any time in the last nine years that he seriously thought about maybe leaving. And yes, and he said that it was. And Danny, you were there too. Yeah. You, you were, you were sitting next to me at that press conference, and he said that after they lost to Denver in the first round in 2020. He didn't know that he was thinking about it. I, he'll never say this part of it on the record, but if 
the organizational changes that happened in December of 2021 didn't happen. I don't think we would be talking about him signing an extension and being no. on board with a plan for the future. No, and that's the thing is I wanted to say to get all into all of this is that when in January after that change took over or took place and Chauncey's talking to Dame about what they're going to do and Joe's talking to him about what they're going to do, Chauncey said that it was not a pitch to Damian Lord. Like you were too far along in your life for me to try to recruit you. Like, you need to do what's right for you, your own, your family, all of these things. Here's what we're going to do. And what we're going to do, remember, CJ's been traded. Dame's had the surgery. They're going to tank. He knows they're going to tank. We're going to go get Grant. We're going to try and add a difference maker type rotation player in free agency. We're going to keep Ant. We're going to keep Yusuf. And this is what we're going to do. It's not going to be done at the end of the summer. Joe, when he got the official job from interim to full GM, said it's going to take 18 months. We need all of our uh, exceptions. We need multiple trade deadlines. We need multiple summers to get to where we want to be. And that's what I keep trying to hammer home to everybody is that nothing has changed. Everything they said is still there. Nobody's misleading anybody. Nobody's cutting the rug out from underneath them. It's it's just like you have to – I know it's such a difficult thing after you dealt with nine-plus years of Neil to say just hold on. Like I totally, totally get that. But at the same time, Joe and his staff have made moves that are bigger and better than literally – Anything Neil has ever done. And that's that's the crazy thing. It's it's one of those things where you just you you can't do anything about that in the in the meantime. What you can do is you can try to evaluate and like and appreciate Shane Sharp and Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant. You can be mad about it. And you will be. But at the same time, I look at this and I go, okay, I'm going to trust because you've set out a plan, you've laid out a plan, you've set out and you've followed it step by step so far. You've not deviated, you haven't made me go, ah, you, 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 you did this. You know, they haven't done that. And this is something also that Dame said at that press conference in July was that he was asking Joe about what the plan was and Joe told him what the plan was and he said, I got the vibe that Joe was being honest with me and he wasn't just BSing me and he wasn't trying to sell me something that he couldn't deliver on. And I mean, you can read whatever subtext there you want as far as who we could have been talking about on the other side of that comparison. But the, that is so far like Joe and his staff, I think just based on it, this is something that Danny, you've talked about a lot on here and that you and I have talked about off air and privately is Everything that Joe has said he was going to do since he took the job or since he got promoted fully to GM, he's done. He said he was going to take the biggest swing they could take in the draft, and they took Shaden Sharp. He said he was going to revamp the front office and put more of a focus on scouting and all these different things and get more diverse. They've done that. He said that they want to get some personnel that they would could get, you know, get better defensively. And, you know, Jeremy Grant, I think, is a defensive upgrade. I think Gary Payton the second. I think Josh Hart. I think Justice Winslow. They they everything they so far, everything that they've said that they've done 
they have followed through on. And you can land wherever you want to land or whether you agree with what they want to do. But what can't be denied is everything they've said they're going to do, they've done. Now, there could be a time in the future where Joe does something that doesn't fit with, you know, this vision that he's laid out or what he's said he's going to do. And people can feel misled. And in that case, we'll certainly talk about that. But I think as of right now, we're still, at least I am, and I think you are too, still in the phase of he's built enough equity in the 10 months or whatever it's been that he's been the one calling the shots to not throw the baby out with the bathwater right away. That I I'm not really going to sit here and say, you know, tear the whole thing down. This isn't going to work because yeah. they look bad in a couple of preseason games, by the way, my favorite uh, preseason overreaction that I've seen so far. I, I think, I think earlier today I tweeted that, uh, I was going to be on with you guys mm -hmm. and you know we started getting replies from fans like talking about like stuff they wanted us to talk about and somebody said like uh they need to build around shade and sharp and keon johnson i'm like okay like this keon johnson thing like he's been a like the nice story of camp because he was a guy that not mm -hmm. any of us even really like thought about over the summer and he was like kind of a throw in in that clippers trade that was like a trade that they made to cut money and like he was on the summer league team but he like wasn't even a starter on the summer league team and nobody even really thought about him as one of their young guys this summer and has been thrown around as like a throw in in some of these trade packages or whatever. And he's looked good in the preseason, but it's like, okay, he looks halfway decent in a couple of preseason games and people want to abandon the Dame, you know, entire, <laughs> the entire thing and build around him. And this 19 year old kid who's, you know, looked really good in a couple of preseason games, one against a non NBA team and one against the Warriors G league team. And like that's the future. Like that—that's what we need to build around now. Is—is is the sentiment that I'm getting a lot of. And I'm just—I don't think preseason means nothing. But I also don't think that them looking bad in a couple of preseason games means that this entire thing is a failure and they need to just tear it down and start over. I think the one thing you guys are hitting on, um, because I think you're making a lot of good points. You know, conversely, I think for sports, and I, I see this all the time with radio listeners. I'm sure Danny, you're seeing this now too. Like sometimes we do this pod. It's a, it's a different audience than what I'll do if I'm doing a radio show. Because I'm doing a radio show, it's I'm kind of getting more into football, heavy, right. yeah, slash yeah, yeah. basketball kind of. The people who care about this stuff enough to be tuning into these live streams are the hardcore fans that yes. actually know about this stuff. Those are the hardcore fans, and we love them. But, like, what I see, though, is the other side. I see the people who go to the games, but, like, if the Blazers aren't good, they're checking out. I'm out. I, I got other things that care. I don't care what's going on. I don't care about the tank. And they Tell also don't know the intricacies of, like, the salary cap and the and the right. you know, different draft picks and all the all this other kind of stuff that gets a lot in the weeds like like we tend to do on these types of platforms. Yep. And I would say, but those people is maybe some of the stuff they don't know about. I'd still say it's a decent portion of people that's filling that arena up on a nightly basis. Sure. Uh -huh. I think what you're seeing is – from some of the frustration, one, they don't look good in preseason. I mean, that's irrefutable, right? Yeah. But it's preseason. So we'll let's give them a month plus, and then we can talk about that. But I think what you're seeing, the reaction is, no matter what Joe said he wanted to do and what he has followed through on, this is not an attack on Joe, by the way. I think part of the problem is you have a very passionate city. I just got an email the other day. It was like, I think Portland was the second or third most passionate NBA fan base in the league. You have a passionate fan base that's used to being consistently good. And for nine years, they were good. Some years, not as good as they appeared. But the general manager sold them a bill of goods. Hey, this. And they could see at the end of the, of the run there, 
it wasn't what the dude was selling. It was a used car salesman trick. It was like, hey, it's, it's as good as it was. And finally, you'd be like, no, it's not, man. I, I saw this last year. You added one different piece. It's going to be largely the same thing. And Joe's fault, not Joe's fault, I think people project nine years of used car salesman parlor mm-hmm. trick on this guy who didn't single-handedly come in and make it a title contender in one summer. And they go, wait a minute. I just heard Sean Hyken say that a great season is maybe an eight seed. Realistically, they might be a playing team who misses the playoffs. What are we doing here? You're telling Mm. me this is okay. This is on track. That doesn't track with what I've seen and what I thought we would be getting once we fired the used car salesman. And I think the other element of this is you hit it on there, Sean is Shaden's had a couple really good moments in two games. And I can tell you, I kind of reside in this camp. It's a little crazy. But you told me on my radio show, you think he's probably an average about what Ann average. I think Ann average like seven minutes per game is rookie Something year. Something like that. If this team is like a 9-10 seed and we're talking play-in type team. Who, oh, his numbers are going to go up. That, that was where I was going to go He has to be playing you know. more than that, man. You've got to fast track that career. The thing is, and, and, I, and I think that's the thing now, and I, I will be fully transparent here, is when I kind of said that on your radio show, or you know, I, I've said that on various times you and I have done this kind of stuff on the air. Yeah. I had never seen the guy play before because none of us had. But yeah. and I think we've seen enough. From I, I I was there for the game against Maccabi where he went off for what do you have like 27, 29 points, something mm-hmm. like that in that game. I did not, as we said before, I did not see the game against the Warriors last night, but I kind of saw the box score and I saw some of the highlights and people are excited about him. It's very obvious what the upside is with him. And we've heard nothing but positive things from, you know, I have from Joe and then, you know, talk to Dame about him, talk to Chauncey about him. And everybody will kind of say the same thing, which is that, and and so far, everything that people with the organization have told us, you know, on and off the record, has been consistent. All checked out. (laughs) It's been consistent of whenever he's on the floor, you obviously see the upside, you see the talent, you see the athleticism, you see the stuff that he's capable of, but he's probably not quite ready yet. I think we have seen enough, even against the competition that it was against, I think that there is going to be, I, I think, I would I would guess, if I had to guess how this is going to go, and this is not based on any inside information, this is just my kind of educated guess on how this might go. I think the first, you know, week or so of the season, he's probably going to be getting DNPs. He's probably not going to be getting in very much. There's going to come a time in like the second or third week of the season where they play him against, I, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but there might, there'll, there'll be some team like, I think they play Houston early on. Let's say he gets in a lot against Houston and he gets some run against Jalen Green. And we're going to start hearing like, well, they need to start sharp. They need to start playing sharp more. And I think he's going to, it's going to be a sporadic thing in the first half of the season where there, maybe he's going to get some big garbage time run and he's going to have some big, you know, impressive moments and some highlight plays while he's kind of getting those reps and getting his confidence up. And then I think maybe by the, middle of the season you know maybe around january or february when maybe let's say certain moves that can't be made now can be made by then you know if you will (laughs) maybe that opens up some minutes for him and then maybe by the end of the season he is more of a consistent part of the rotation i don't think it's going to happen in the first half of the season but and you know dame telegraphed that because i asked him about it on media day and he said, whenever it all connects for him, whether that's the end of this season or the beginning of next season or whatever, like 
they are not coming into this saying, this guy is going to play right away. This guy is going to be a contributor on opening night. And I think clearly he's looked incredible when he's gone against the lower level competition that he's gone up against, whether that be Maccabi or against like the Warriors second and third string guys that he played against last night. And when he was up against actual, you know, proven NBA players, he's had some great moments and some great individual plays, but he's looked like he's clearly not really ready yet. And that's consistent with what they've been saying. Sorry about that. I what? My... Some breaking news? Yeah, no. My uh, I had an ESPN score a box score up, and I had the autoplay come up in the background, which just I, I, love that. I just want to add one more thing on this because uh, I don't know if you're going to transition what we're doing. Yeah, uh, no, but, go. Um, we we talk about like what's their best case scenario. Look, the best case scenario, I think, as long as you have Dame, it's to make the playoffs, whether you're competitive or not. I, that's kind of a, a moot point. Like Dame wants to be in the dance, right? But mm-hmm. right. If you if you told me. Or they told me off the record, and they didn't. No, I have this zero intel. But if you told me that they were going to the draft and not the playoffs with like a lottery pick, you'd probably be okay with it, right? I don't. Well, no, I definitely am okay with it because yeah. I don't think this team's close to competing. And I don't know what you really get out of getting your ass kicked in the first round. But I think that they would actually be super excited about it. I don't think you hire a Mike Schmitz. Unless you want some really good draft intel and scouting. And for a draft that's supposed to be pretty decently deep, it, it could be a year where like, oh, hey, things didn't quite go how we wanted. There's some things that we can build on and people are okay and content and they're going to bring it back next year. But we got a lottery pick and this guy knows this class as well as anybody else. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how mad they are by that outcome, to be honest with you. What I would say to that, I hear you, I hear you, Brandon. Like, yeah, I think, I think that's valid. What I would say to that, though, is just because they owe the pick to Chicago if it's outside of the lottery. And then if they are in the lottery, then, you know, you kick that down the road another year. I would almost feel like the thing to do, because then once you don't owe that pick in the future to Chicago anymore, that opens up some other things that you can do with other picks as far as things you can trade. I would almost, if I were them, I would almost rather, even if your ceiling is making the seventh or eighth seed out of the play-in and getting your ass kicked by Golden State or the Clippers right. or whoever in the first round, I would rather just get that pick obligation to Chicago out of the way so that you can move forward and have all your stuff going forward. Because that's the only – you can correct me if I'm wrong. That Danny, you probably know this off the top of your head better than I do, but I think that's the only first-round pick that they owe yes. to a team going yeah, forward. A, so once – once that they have Chicago, their full complement after that. Yeah. Once the Chicago, uh, whatever they owe Chicago, is out of the way, they can do whatever they want with the rest of their picks going forward. And so, to me, just just to open up other stuff to do in the future, because right now they don't really have you know a lot of stuff they can do as far as trades. But if they do, you know, let's say, you know, a year and a half from now, some. Not not like super, super, superstar, but let's say like, I don't know, like, let's say somebody, let's let's say for whatever reason the OG Ananobi thing comes into play again. A player like that that's like a legit, or like Mikel Bridges, I don't know, something. Somebody like that who's like not, you know, a superstar franchise guy, but is like a, the really kind of piece. guy that would like yeah. a really good piece that would make yeah. a lot of sense for, you know, that somebody that like Dane has said he wants or that they, you know, in, in OG's case, somebody we know for a fact they've tried to get in the past. Mm-hmm. Somebody that it would, you know, be reasonable to expect that maybe you have to trade a first round pick or two to get somebody like that 
and I'm not even saying necessarily those two players, but somebody in that realm. Yeah, interesting. The ability to have all of your picks to work with and not being like, oh, well, we can only offer this because we still owe that pick to Chicago. I think that would free up some things long-term, and I think that's a better upside than, you know, may, you know, barely missing the playoffs and having your and having your pick this year because Mike Schmitz is a really good draft scout. Like, right, right. And, but that's and, the thing and, is, I don't, I don't think it's going to go that way. I, I, I don't think this is a barely missed the playoff situation. If, if, because they're not going to deal that pick, they're not going to like, guarantee that pick to Chicago. Right. Until no. the very last second, there's just, there's just absolutely zero way that they're going to remove any protections on that pick. No, until I'm not, they say, know. I'm not no, no, saying no, no, no. that. I'm, oh, oh, no, I, I'm with you. So far as like, like as far as what they would do, my point is that I think that if they – let's say this season doesn't go well. Let's say that right. they're eight games under, nine games under 500 at Christmas. Right. And they're like, hmm, uh, this isn't good. For everybody in here, let me say this once now so that it's on record and so that the 3,000 more times I have to say it, they're not going to suck enough to get top four. Get that out of your head. I've seen Victor Wembanyama in the chat more times than I can count already today. They are not bad enough. They cannot get bad enough. There is no world that exists where they can be bad enough for the fourth worst record in the league. If they're healthy, if they're healthy, by the way. (laughs) Even if they're not healthy, they lost twenty-one of twenty-three. They had the sixth worst record. That's what I was. That's what I was gonna say. Like I don't think I've ever seen a more egregious half-season tank job than what the Blazers did after the deadline when they traded CJ, and they still couldn't hang with like the Oklahoma City and Houston, and you know the teams that were the teams that were really the teams that are really about that life, and we're actually going for it all year. And by the way. I don't think Sam. I, I I haven't talked to Sam about this. I know Sam, but I don't think Sam Presti was that upset that Chad Holmgren is going to miss the entire season. No. Hell no, he got a better player out of it potentially. No, like, but like, even if they decide in let's January, say in, in, let's say February, they steer into the skid. They're what they're looking for is like tenth, and then right. maybe you maybe you get lucky with the ping pong balls and you move up to, into the top four. I'm right, maybe. maybe. But maybe. it's like the th- the thing. The other thing that I that I keep saying when I hear people talk about like maybe they need to you know completely go you know go the other way and trade Dame and blow it up. Like you guys watched last season, there was the second half of last season when they were actively trying to lose every game mm-hmm. they were playing, and they were like throwing out again Dame's cousin and Elijah Hughes in the starting lineup a lot. Yeah, of time. it's awful basketball. <laughs> Did you as a fan enjoy that? And do you? As a fan, no. want to? No. Did you, as a fan, no. want to sign up for multiple no. years of that in order to maybe one day get a player as good as no. me? And that's the, I, and that's the thing. The only people saying yes to that are the people who get Wimbanyama. Like that, yeah. those are the only people that say yes one, to that is if you one get, team that gets guy. Victor. And right, the thing that's is, only one. And, and the funny thing is, and here, it's going to be San Antonio because nobody has the lotion next to their bed thinking about getting Victor more than Greg Popovich. You're There's not, not a person you're not, you're not in wrong. the world. He's on an he's international like, seven four guy. He's, he's got the on, Wolverine picture. And like. he's on. And he's on Tony Parker. He, I, I don't think he's yeah. on the team anymore, but he did play for the French team that Tony Parker right. owns. So like, right. There's, right. there's connections there. The, the, the other thing about this is, it was like, oh well, what about the Blazers get the second pick? I mean, you mean the point guard Scoot Anderson, like. You that, now you're looking at another guard, like and so that that's whole thing about yeah. it. But if the Blazers did steer into the skid, it would not be the worst possible scenario. Like 
getting one more asset, getting one more lottery pick, whether they kept it. Remember, they almost dealt the pick at the death or at the at dra- the draft for OG. Yeah. If, like, if 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 Toronto's asking price was a little bit lower, as much as they loved Shaden Sharp, like I think if the asking price was a little bit more reasonable as far as other stuff, you knocked um, another player off that list. They might have right. looked at it. Then that you might might not be talking about what is Shaden Sharp going to be. You know what's Shaden Sharp's role going to be? That would be a Toronto or yes. Toronto or whoever <laughs> thing would be like. Oh, that, would, that kid up in Toronto looks pretty fun. <laughs> we would be talking. We would be talking about like how Dame and Jeremy Grant and OG Ananobi are going to fit together. Yeah, but it didn't. Exactly. It didn't go that way. Mm-hmm. So like getting that to have going into the summer. Do I think that's a bad thing? No. Do, would, would I be mad if they made the play-in and made the playoffs? I, I don't think so. Because there is, there, is a, there is a little bit of culture. Like, you don't want to be a really bad team for a long time. You don't want to be like, well, steer into the skid, well, steer into the skid, well, steer into the skid, like over and over and over again. Because there's, there's no building towards something. Like, if you look at a team like Denver – they they worked through stuff, not making the playoffs, then making the playoffs and losing, and then ma- making the playoffs and getting the second round and losing Game Seven at home, and then they had the bubble series where Jamal and Donovan are going head to head. Then they dealt with injuries, and it's you, you never know where you're gonna be. That's why it's, I hate the OKC thing. Like we're out here just giving Sam Presti all the compliments in the world. I'm like this dude is openly sucking for how many years and we're just assuming it's going to end with a Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden ending. Like it's very easy to like like it. It's very easy to look up after 10 years and you're the Orlando magic after trading Dwight Howard. And you just have not been like, they've made the playoffs a couple of times as an eighth seed and gotten destroyed in the first round by whoever, but like, go look at the Kings. Right, longest like, drought in pro sports. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's, sports. well, that's a whole different thing because there's so yeah. much other like incompetence and dysfunction. That, 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 in that it's a culture that's a, thing, though, too. That's right? a whole other thing. No, but I'm talking about like I don't think Orlando has a particularly bad front office or a bad like they've hired some good coaches. No, and, not like, at all. Like, but it's just like they just haven't really built been able to build something consistently. I think. Yeah. I also th- I think there is some even if you you know just make the playoffs and get your ass kicked by. Uh, to whoever whoever. to slaughter, yeah. You know, go yeah. by if you by like Golden State or the Clippers or whoever in the first round. You saw what like everybody knew that, you know, whatever year that the a couple years ago that Memphis, you know, the year that they got through the play in, they beat the Warriors in the play in, and then they faced Utah in the first round and they didn't win that series, but they looked pretty competitive in that series. Like nobody thought that Memphis was going to really make a run or do anything once they got into the playoffs. Everybody knew they were probably going to lose that series because Utah was more talented than, than them at that time. And they were the one seed and all this stuff, but they took, Hey, we made the playoffs unexpectedly into the next year. And then you saw what they were able to do last year and they were the two seed and they made this huge leap there. I think even if you're, you know, you're not a real contender for a championship, which there's like what, four or five teams in the league yeah. that are, that you can honestly say are right now. But I do think that there is, and I, and I and I say this as somebody who's been around a lot of, I mean, I've been around some pretty bad Bulls teams over my, you know, my career. I've, you know, I've, I've been pretty lucky in Portland since I've been back here that last year was the only just like truly abysmal team that I've covered on a day-to-day basis. But one of the last Bulls teams that I covered, uh, there were two guys on the team, Isaiah Cannon and Michael Carter Williams, mm-hmm. who were both process guys, like on the like a peak Sam Hinkie era, like process. 
And I have had conversations with both of those guys about what it was like being on those teams and knowing going into every single game that you're playing that you're going to be overmatched and you're going to probably lose, you know, nine out of the 10 games that you are are playing. And those guys were like, look, it sucked. It was miserable. It's not the Blazers have had two of those guys. Jeremy's one of them. Cubs another. Yeah. They're both like, process those sixers. Guys like, <laughs> right. It's like once you guys get like you have to be even if you're in the playoffs and you have no chance of really making a run, there's value in just being there and having, especially for a lot of these young guys, like Dame's been there before. Nurk's been there before to a lesser extent. Ant and you know, Ant has been there because he was on that conference finals team, but he wasn't really in the rotation, but really. And like, I guess, you know, Jeremy Grant is the other guy, you know, he was in that mm -hmm. on that Denver team that made the conference finals in the bubble, but you're really talking just about three guys that have like legitimate, and I actually know Gary Payton also, because they, because of what just happened. Literally rigged. You're still talking about four guys on the team who have like legitimate, like deep playoff experience at this point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Most of the rest of these guys don't have that. And like I like I said, Ant was on the conference finals team, but he wasn't really playing yeah, a lot at that point. So, you know, it's for a lot of these young guys, whether it be, you know, Shaden Sharp, who they view as a huge part of their future, you want him to get a taste of it early on in his career. I think there's value in that. Keon Johnson, if that's somebody they decide to keep around and that's somebody they really like. You want him to get a taste of it. And he was on a pretty good team last year with the Clippers, but he wasn't in the rotation before he got traded here. Like, yeah, I, to me, there's more value in getting, especially if, unless you're doing, unless you're really fully committing to the Utah, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, mm -hmm. Indiana, like we're just going to completely strip this thing down and trade away every good player we have and just completely start from scratch and accumulate picks. Unless you're really going to commit to that and do that for five or six years. I think that there's more value in giving these younger guys a taste of it than there is. And, hey, let's lose a few more games and maybe we'll get one or two better spots in the lottery. No, I, I, and again, I, I don't disagree necessarily. I think it all kind of depends on exactly where they are. And that's that's kind of – it's it's nuts. We haven't played one regular season game. We're already looking past this because that's how <laughs> – that, I mean, that's, that's, that's how this jointed, this preseason has looked. Which I, I want to grab a couple of listener questions here real quick before we get out of here. Uh, this from uh, at Blazerborn. With neither Simons, Hart, or Grant playing significant time with Dame as a team, is there a chance the lineup can improve significantly throughout the season in terms of communication yes. and tendencies? Yes. Leading yes. to improved defensive rotation and reduced turnovers. Yes. yes. It's all of that. Yeah. Yes. That's the thing. Outside of, like – so I did the I did, I looked at it on media day and I think I wrote this in the column that I wrote that day. But there are six guys on this roster that were on the team at the start of last year. Mm -hmm. Two of them are Trendon Watford and Greg Brown who were like not rotation players for most of last year until they, they weren't tanking. supposed to play. Mm -mm. Right. Two of them are Ant and Nas who had great years last year before they got shut down but haven't really spent significant amounts of time playing with the main, you know, guys like Dame, Dame and Nurk. And then Dame and Nurk. So you're really talking about two guys in Dame and Nurk who have real experience playing like multiple seasons where they're both the starter and like multiple playoff runs and all that stuff. Other than that, it's basically a new group, even though a couple of these guys have been here for a few years. It's like, it's a lot of new pieces. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is like, as bad as this has looked, I don't have, like, this, like, chipper, like, oh, no, they'll figure it out. But, like, can they work through stuff? Like, Jeremy, you were up there, Sean, in Seattle with us. Uh, with Jeremy me. looks awesome. Jeremy is, like, by far the most positive. Besides, He's probably the biggest positive. Yeah, well, right. Without a doubt. I think, well, I think, well, I think 
Well, I think Dame looking healthy and looking like he's going to be fine physically. I think that's the biggest positive about what the team's ceiling can be. But other than that, yeah, Jeremy's been as good as advertised. Jeremy's done exactly what they said they were bringing him in to do. He looked like he's an awesome fit. Nurk was talking when I was in Santa Barbara about how he feels like he's been playing with Jeremy for years and he's just been a completely seamless fit. You're seeing all of that. Like that, it, it's looking like, and I mean, I thought it was a good trade at the time. It's looking like a home run now. Yeah, yeah beyond, it does. Beyond just like his fit, as far as like getting better with guys. Remember in Seattle when he came to the podium, how pissed he was about his turnovers? Yeah. Like he has the right attitude. Before he got up to the podium, he was shaking his head. Like you, you, you could, he, he came up there. He's like, oh, I was just talking to Dame. And Dame had just told him basically, dude, it's okay. Like this is your first, like literally your first game with us. I think he had five turnovers in that game against the Clippers. Like, and if it, he's that, if he's that mad about five turnovers in a preseason game, a game that literally does not count for anything. Like he's going to work through some stuff. Like he got caught up in the air, like a couple times, like jump passing. And then, mm-hmm. ah, shit. And he kind of bailed out of it. Like those kind of decisions. And that just comes with like, playing that's 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 all that stuff is but you can see the frustration of like it's just a matter of run of getting that burn and and understanding that um the other side of this is ant like everybody's there was everybody freaked out about his comment the other day in 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 the uh the post game and i had to kind of squash it as far as like because if you read the quote it comes across differently than when ant said it it was something along the lines of like no i just have to work through this and people like what do you mean you've played alongside him forever Anthony Simons has not played alongside Damian Lillard as an equal. Ever. No, not like this. No, no, this is him operating as an equal. Like, this offense is Dame's, but the second Dame's not on the floor, it's Ant's offense. Yes. Like, I th- I cannot express just how different that is from being the spot-up guy. Like, this, and everyone's like, well, he got games, you know, 24 games or whatever uh, when Dame went down to, to late, he got shut down. I'm like, right, but you're playing with Elijah. But you're the one. Yes. Yeah, you're the, the one. And, there, and there's not... no, there, yeah. the only other pecking order was not another guard. It was Nurk. Right. Nurk right. was the other guy, and Hart was like this tertiary guy. And it was only for like, what, six games? So, Ant learned, like, everybody's like, well, he should know. No, he shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. That's the thing. He should not know. And so, like, working, Jeremy Grant working through stuff and the disjointed part of this. Like, I expected that to take probably 15, 20 games. Ant and Dame to work through some stuff. And it doesn't devolve into your turn, my turn stuff when it's not great. Yeah, it's going to happen because they're both incredible shot creators and they're incredible in the pick and roll. The default setting is do what you're good at. And that's both what they're good at. And I think Dave and CJ went through that though too. Yes, hundred percent. It's exactly. And then their fourth, fifth year together, they were yep. going through that. And so it's just like really, they're going through it last year. Yeah, to be absolutely. And, and that's the thing is like I think Ant has the ability to get past that eventually. So those two guys, I think they'll clear that stuff up offensively. Defensively, I know I, I'm I where I stand on the Ant spectrum. I. I believe in Ant being better defensively in isolation. I've talked to other people already this year in isolation. He has been fine. His problem and Dame's problem, and that the fact that it's both their problems is is a problem, is their screen navigation. That one of them has to figure that out. Like that, that has to be a thing. Otherwise, they are going to be in a world of hurt as far as their defense goes because they Jeremy, will be limited in what they can do. Yeah. Jeremy Grant actually kind of pisses me off uh, 
because stylistically it looks so good to me that mm-hmm. I'm like, if we could have had this dude three years ago. Yes. You, no, you're not wrong. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, damn, that was the guy. We we all knew they needed that guy. We yeah, all knew If that. you replace Al Farouk with Jeremy Grant, like, are oh. they a title winning team? No, but like, are they a more, more bona fide team? They're yes. putting a bigger scare into Golden State that year. They're not getting. The they're West not getting finals. swept in the West swept. Finals. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> that's for sure. Jeremy um, Grant was really good at, for Oklahoma City. And yes, he yeah. was. Yes, he was. And that's the thing. Like, so, like, is there things to look forward to? Yes. Do I think that grand scheme that those things are going to make like this world beating report or world beating um, change, like to what the overall rapport is of the team? No. Like, here's the thing. In each individual game is its own, like, individual thing. And, and one of the things Terry Stotts used to say was, like, you had to view this the season in little five-game blurps. Because every five games, stuff just changes. Guys are sick. Guys are injured. Guys roll an ankle. A guy gets hot. A guy gets cold. So you can't look at the whole season. You can't look at half seasons. You can't look at quarter seasons. You can't even look at months. You just have to look at each, like, five-game block and be like, can we go three and two? That's like that's that's how you have to do it, because the year the year that I had Dwayne Wade on the Bulls, they were about to go on a six game road trip, and he said, "Whenever you go on a six game road trip, the goal is to go three and three. Yeah, five hundred on the road. You 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 win sixty five percent of your games at home. You go five hundred on the road, and you were a great team. Yeah, like that's I, that's a great team, and that's that's the whole thing is like you have to kind of get in that mentality of all this thing. So do again, I, I put money on this team to be over five hundred. The over under for this team was was forty and a half. I took I took forty the forty one or more. You know I've said forty three over and over again. Have I changed my my opinion on that since preseason? Not necessarily, but I'm definitely like. Mm. I could get close. I think it, if they get like thirty eight wins, I yeah. wouldn't be shocked. No, that's <laughs> the thing is, is it could get tight. Yeah, but I was never like this is a great team. No, my no. my whole point has always been the opportunity to be better is there. Yeah. Now, does that opportunity necessarily translate into wins? I don't know. I will say that if they are close in the final 30 games when teams start really tanking and if they decide to not steer into the skid, they could pick up more wins than, than we anticipate. And that's the weird thing about this season. It's like, ah, it's, it's this weird kind of frustration. Um, when I look at all of it – in just kind of it's it's chunk it's it it's hard to really sum up because I'm my my brain's here on one thing my heart's here on another and my soul is dead like you know what I mean it's just like <laughs> I look at it and like I know the way that I'm seeing this is different than other people I've had the value of having discussions with with players and executives like that that does change how I look at things is that I I do have a bit more of like understanding of what they're trying to accomplish and and talking to the players and kind of getting like a perfect example um i i've changed my mind on whether or not they should or shouldn't get shaden out there regardless and i'm leaning more towards they should one because of the things he started to show like each game he gets a little more confidence two it was literally standing next to him after that game against Maccabi, and i asked him when you threw down that lob did you like before i could even finish he goes no i felt like i, could, I belonged like you could see the light flicker, and like like oh there it is, and it, and like you could for if you've seen if you've seen Shaden in interviews, he struggles, 
Mm-hmm. He did not yeah. struggle in that interview. And you know why? His confidence was there. He's and just better off. I mean, that's, that's like, you let him take s- his lumps. Let him build yeah. some confidence. Like, let him be tutored by Dame and Ann. And, like, I just – also, I just don't think this roster is talented enough to say that guy can't play more than 10 minutes. I just don't buy that. I, I think, I think a, they could definitely give him those minutes. Yeah, yeah, on a given night, yes. And like you like you said, when they play uh, a, a night in Houston, so everybody's like, well, you know, what, what do you expect the rotations to be? Honestly, past seven, I don't know. Honestly. And on the, the Gary Payton second stuff, uh, I've seen a lot of people like, oh, Gary should be ready for the season. Should he? That's what I've heard. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I know what we've heard, but also Nasir Little's still not ramped up, ready to go, and he had the surgery before Gary. But he also had the shoulder, though. The I, I know, but we're talking about mobility and getting into action and all those other things. Dame, Dame's still looking rusty for not playing for 10. Like, Gary hasn't played for months. Like, remember, they said the other day, uh, Chauncey said, you know, uh, Gary's always pissed. We come, we got to shut him down. Like, like he's not playing five on five yet. So it's like Gary gonna ramp up immediately. Like two practices go. I don't, I don't think that's gonna be the case. So does Keon get some of those minutes? Probably. But does Shaden get some of those minutes? And you go, hmm, see what the hell happens. You know, and I, 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 like, and that's where this season, like, it has so many weird like ebbs and flows. And as far as like the idea of what Joe has said, they want to do and not do. Or not necessarily what they not not do, but what they want to do is like it's it's more important to kind of look at things and assess than it is mm-hmm. wins and losses. I'm starting to think, well, maybe getting Shaden in there is a bigger part of that. So, I, I it's opening opening night's a week from today, right? Yeah, a yeah. week from today. Week, yeah. week, week from tonight. We have uh, Friday, guys. If you don't know, it's uh, Fan Fest. Uh, if you haven't already, I think you all, all you need to do is go online to get your ticket. I believe that's all it is. Uh, we used to just show up and they'd have them available at the box. Yeah, office. I think like, they do. I think they, I think they just you just print them out now. I don't yeah. think this. I don't think it's going to be sold out. No, no, no. And, and, <laughs> and, and if you, and it's a great experience if you've never been to one. It's a ton of fun. It is um, a lot of fun. You get to kind of get see players' personalities and and have some fun and kind of get a little peek behind the curtain when they kind of relax a little bit. Um, I have a great Isaiah Ryder story from a fan fest. We uh, we got in early and we sat literally on the court side on the side. And I was probably I don't know how old I was, but J.R. Ryder's on the team and he shoots a shot. And in the middle of the, their little scrimmage thing, he turns and he goes, hey, welcome to the game, little man. I go, I hope I'm in the NBA. Like he goes, well, shit, you can do it if I can do it. And then he ran on the other side. I'm like. <laughs> I was like I, 10, 11. I don't remember how old I was. I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe he talked to me like that. That's my incredible. Like, oh, my God. You know, that's, speaking, that's, speaking of moms of 1080 The Fan personnel, Dusty <laughs> told me today that during another fan fest, a Blazers player on the court hit on his mom. There you yeah, go. With his dad standing there. <laughs> that, that's I mean, to me, nothing is ever, as far as fan fest stuff, nothing's ever going to top the Luke Babbitt Dougie. No, no, like Luke Babbitt Dougie is, is, is apex. Moses Brown singing was was incredible. That was pretty good. That was that was incredible. Um, but, like, go enjoy it. Like, if you're freaking out about the season right now. Stop. They were never stop. winning a championship. So, yes. let's Danny, just stop. I need, I, need, I need you to promise me something, Danny. I know you and I are probably, I, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm assuming you're going to be there as yeah, well. Yeah, I'll be there. We will probably be like together at media row, like we usually are. They stick for, us together, yes. For these things, I do not want to hear a single bit of 
analysis about what plays that they're running in the <laughs> scrimmage. because i'm sitting i'm sitting next to you at like every all, all three of these preseason games this is the first time you the three the, the two of us have kind of had these seats together because of you know different things that have led mm, to yeah. some people not being allowed in the building for certain times or whatever, <laughs> whatever the case may be like I'm sitting next to you at these preseason games, and you're like talking about like like as the game is going on, you're like, oh, you know, they're hedging on this screen, or they're you know they're they're running this play, they're running this, they're running this hammer set, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I do. You're I'm hereby forbidding you from doing <laughs> any of that on the fan fest scrimmage. Like I do not, I do not want to hear any of that. Sean is Sean is Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber at the bar, and you're the lady just talking. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> Like doing it for a preseason game, like fine, whatever. But a lot of don't... times I don't even realize that I'm doing it. I just uh-huh. say it out loud. It's, it's literally my wife. You is... guys, you guys need to be the Muppets. You guys need to be the Muppets in the balcony, balcony. at this fan fest. Just like, <laughs> just laughing and having a good time. No, it, it should be fun. I say all of this, to everybody. Too. It's, it's a fun experience. It's a light. Have a little bit of brevity and just chill, chill for a bit. There'll be plenty of times. I mean, listen, I am the most probably the most pessimistic person in this market when it comes to this team. Like I don't think you there's nobody in this market that could hate this team more than I do when they play like crap. Uh, I, I know, think, I, I I know can, some people. I can think mm. of a couple of people. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> Okay. I think we know who those people are. I'm my point being <laughs> it's okay to enjoy the little things while also being yes. mad about the other things. Like but remember what grand scheme is. Enjoy all of that. We went super long tonight because we're not going to do this again until Sunday when we open up a mailbag before the season. That'll be the last mailbag before we go. Uh, and again, a quick reminder: the watch party will go on because the it was an open. It is a road game. This will be the one and only public watch party for the regular season. So for those that haven't been before, that'll be there for you guys to come check out. After that gets locked up so it yeah. goes and in, goes into the private room and you got to verify through the channel um but come hang out uh we'll have some updates i i am uh one step away from confirming one very large guest and i'm working on the date for the other so we will have hopefully both of them before the beginning of the season um and then uh, we'll kind of work our way from there so uh if you haven't already go subscribe to sean's uh website newsletter podcast all of the things rose garden report uh is it you got your own domain right is rosegardenreport.com now rosegardenreport.com i don't have go. to spell out the the whole the beehive yeah yeah exactly and i mean it's a pretty easy sell if you're if you're somebody who cares enough about this stuff to a be watching this live stream in the first place and b mm-hmm. to have stuck with us through like we've been going for almost an hour and a half if you're somebody who cares about this stuff enough to do all that you're gonna also like what I do. Yeah, go pitch Sean a bucks. I think I think it's Danny, easy, yeah. a lot. I think a lot of what I do and a lot of what Danny does are pretty similar. It's just that I do more stuff on the written side as opposed mm-hmm. to the radio and the podcast side. It's I think it's all very like complementary to each other. And honestly, like I mean, I'm sure I don't know if you guys have noticed. There's not a whole lot of options as far as like written Blazers coverage from people who are you know credentialed and. Mm-hmm. add all the stuff and have the relationships in the organization. And I think that, I mean, there is some stuff that I write that's available for free. There is some other stuff that's paywalled. I think a, I think the paywalled stuff that I've done is worth it. And B mm-hmm. it's not a ton of money. It's like, it's $6 a month. If you pay by the month 
or you can pay 50 for the whole year. I think that's a pretty good deal for the amount of no, content. No, it, it is. No, it's, it's definitely worth it. You're cranking out stuff all the time. So just yep. su- support uh, local journalism and, and independent the podcast journalism. is also the, the podcast also the same name. That's just on Apple or Spotify or whatever. There's no paywall attached to that. That's just wherever you get podcasts. It, it just lives up there. Uh, yeah. You can follow Sean on uh, Twitter at Hiking. You can follow Brandon and I at uh, Brandon Sprague, at Danny Morang, at Jack Ramsey's for this show. You can gmail, e- email the show, jackramsey's at gmail.com. You can follow us or you can also follow on IG, uh, Jack Ramsey's uh, on Instagram. Still haven't convinced me to do the TikTok. Uh, and again, real quick, uh, I should say real quick, a little update. I had a doctor's appointment yesterday and my surgery is moving up. I kind of hinted at it at the beginning of the show. So it won't be in February. It'll probably be in the next month. Um, the, oh, the uh, next month? Because you were you were talking about like around Christmas. Yeah. Is so that unfortunately the scans came back and they're bad. So um, so we're talking like November now. Yeah. So I okay. might I might not be in the building for for a couple months and then come back after the All Star break. So um, which is really unfortunate considering <laughs> what, where things are, but um it's just kind of the nature of the beast i'm old and i'm broken uh but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it uh again thank you all so so very much like rate review subscribe help us grow the show if you're new here subscribe if you're uh uh want to leave us a review on apple Podcasts, please do that please do that as well we will catch you guys on friday if you're going to be at the uh FanFest, could not remember the name of it. And then Sunday we will do the mailbag, TBD. Uh, And then if we get some guests on uh, or we get some confirmation on the guests, I will let you guys know as soon as we know. So uh, until then, (sighs) namaste, chill, unwind, relax, let the vitriol out from preseason. Uh, They open up a week from tonight against the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento, and we'll have you covered every step of the way. Uh, Until then, take care, guys.